Hello, hello out there. We are in the midst of our summer pledge drive. It's August 10th. My guest today is a dementia specialist, Ellen Belk, silver lining strategist and founder of Keep in Mind Inc. and creator of the Kim Academy. Ellen was recently a guest speaker for CAPS Certified Aging in Place Specialist, and I loved what she shared with us. Ellen helps families understand and support their loved ones with dementia and helps train caretakers and others who work with those experiencing cognitive decline. If you haven't pledged already or you'd like to pledge a gift to this show, you can pledge now at 508-487-2619 or visit our website at WOMR.org. Become a sustaining member of this show and this hour of programming for $15 a month. At that level, you can get yourself a WOMR sweatshirt. It's a light gray pullover with an awesome design. At the $60 membership level, you can get our new lightweight soft tee. It features sea creatures on a red shirt and it fits men and women. We've also got a portable phone charger, so make a donation and get some swag. Welcome to Healing Wisdom, a Thursday morning talk show featuring guests sharing their stories and knowledge. We discuss the healing aspects of the arts, metaphysics, social justice, and adventure through all types of terrain. So join me, Pandora Peoples, here on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. Our theme music is provided by Mazen. You can find her website at mazenmusic.com. That's M-A-E-S-Y-N. So, you know, here on Cape Cod, we've got families coping with and managing cognitive decline, and many people are in some caregiving capacity and um, working with those experiencing various stages of dementia. So I would love for you to first just talk about what dementia is and why it's important to understand the type and why understanding the type and the root cause helps us to create the best outcomes. Oh, that's such a great, thank you. Cause that's my favorite place to jump off this, the way you've just um, asked me the question is amazing. And uh, so often I find, and maybe if, as I talk about this, people will be like, oh, and what I mean by that is so often we interchange, especially the, the two words, Alzheimer's and the word dementia. People it, it, like, you know, out here in the universe, people are like, oh, you know, so-and-so, well, we don't know. It's either Alzheimer's or dementia. And I'm like, okay, that's, those are two, that's not even the same thing. So let me just, let me just cut to the chase. Um, and this is the term that I, this is the, the analogy I'm about to use is what I use so often just because it's, it's the most recognizable, um, cancer, cancer, the word cancer and the word dementia are actually similar in that, uh, not from a disease pathology perspective, but from the fact that both the word cancer and the word dementia are what we consider umbrella terms. So if for those on the podcast that can, you know, see my hands, it's like I'm holding my umbrella and I'm under the umbrella and up on that umbrella, the word uh, dementia 
it, let's it, for my expertise, dementia would be on there. Um, the reason I bring up cancer is because as a, as a, as a country for sure, and even globally, we understand that when someone's told they get cancer, the next part of the equation tends to be, well, doctor, uh, do I have breast cancer or, you know, lung cancer? Do I have pancreatic cancer or, you know, insert type of cancer here? People know that the word cancer is not where you stop. Now, those of us, I'm a Gen Xer, I'm in my mid fifties and there in my lifetime, people wouldn't even say the word cancer. It was like, we were scared to say cancer. It was so-and-so has the C word. So cancer as a, as a disease, as a uh, cancer is again, an umbrella term, not the disease, but cancer as an entity has done a really good job of educating the populace. Well, no, you either have breast cancer or all the, all the other ways you can have cancer. People understand that, that cancer is not the full stop. Unfortunately, the same um, thing cannot be said about those of us uh, in the dementia space. And I'm, I'm a girl, I'm a boots on the ground girl. I'm not a doctor, although I'm, I am a, a board certified dementia educator and, and a holistic dementia care expert. That's something we can touch on at the end. But, but that being said, when you spend 22 years in the field, laying hands on thousands of residents, and, and I've worked from the frontline care floor all the way to the C-suite of corporations. So I'm very blessed for that prior to starting my own company. And to your point, it's touched my family. Uh, most notably, I've talked about my dad's life journey. And now, unfortunately, I've just realized that I'm dealing with it with my 94-year-old mother as well. So when you... The word dementia is not where the diagnosis ends. If and and we don't use the term hardening of the arteries or oh that's just grandma she's forgetful. I want to be really clear as we age all of us you me whether we're 42 or 92 as you age of course your brain all kinds of things within your body starts to change. You know those of us of a certain age we wake up a little achier and we got to get the cobwebs off before we move on with the day. Well, of course your brain is the, is a large organ and it's it's also going through changes as well. Pandora, if if you you and I went out to lunch last week and and now today we were meeting again for the next time and I'd be like, hey Pandora, what was the name of that place we went to the like where did we go to eat? And I couldn't remember the name, but I knew and I was asking you what was the name. Um, that's healthy brain. That's I'm not expected to remember everything. So a little cognitive change, some forgetfulness, some word finding, you know, especially when you're tired and you're overworked and overstimulated and you might call the coffee pot, you know, the, the light bulb, whatever. Those things happen for all people. But when you're aware of it, you self-correct and be like, oh my gosh, that's once you tell me the name of the restaurant, I'm like, oh, that's right. They had the big blue door and the waitress named Millie was so sweet. Again, that shows I have a very healthy brain. I just needed a little nudge from you. Same with, you know, if I call something the light bulb when it was really the refrigerator, for example, I can catch myself and be like, oh, girl, you know what I mean. I mean the refrigerator. Again, very heavy, very healthy brain. What What's unhealthy is when the cognitive issues, um, the changes in attitude, possibly behaviors, loss of social mores, at a at a at an 
a very noticeable rate. That's, and the person is like, you're like, mom, you're not, what did you just say? You can't say that in polite society. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't just say that. So that now is where you're realizing, mm, okay, we're working with something a little different here. This is worth investigating. Why? Because Alzheimer's, it, Alzheimer's disease, which is the full name of that disease, people refer to it as Alzheimer's, but it really is Alzheimer's disease because it is the number one diagnosed type of how you get dementia, a dementia. So it's the number one. It's and it's uh, you know most people say sixty to sixty-five percent of all diagnosed dementias are of the Alzheimer's disease type. However. Um, there's uh, over a hundred conditions and I'll, I'll, I'll babble off a couple Lewy body dementia, very different dementia, type of dementia, different layer of the brain, different pathology. Um, the forgetfulness isn't as much impacted as it is with short-term memory with Alzheimer's disease, but in Lewy body, you will have movement issues, gait, meaning I'm shuff the shuffle gait starts a little earlier, hallucinations, um, some, some form of park, sometimes some Parkinsonian ask, uh, behavior like tremors, uh, drooling later in the later stages, very different. So it, it, and it shouldn't be treated the same, just as a breast cancer person should not go to the pancreatic cancer specialty clinic. You go to the place or you get cared for by the people that are familiar with your type of, what type of dementia. One of the things that we see also, um, Pandora is we're kind of seeing an increase in as a as a student of this industry, I am going to, it'll be interesting to me in the next five to 10 years, I, I am predicting, you can mark this, I don't know if it'll, I don't know where I'll be five to 10 years from now, but I am predicting that due to the, la the conditions of our lockdown of the last, you know, several years, um, the isolation, the po potentiality of self-medication, both through over the through medication, pharmacological medication, and or alcohol, and or other mind altering um, substances in in aging bodies, or quite frankly, anybody. When you if you're doing something that's changing the chemistry within your body and your brain to self soothe, to self medicate. Um, and you don't get help with that, or it gets out of control. And now you have an addiction that goes uncontrolled and untreated. Again, eventually you're going to see some, some movement in, um, bad movements, some deterioration in your brain. And most notably, even prior to the, to the pandemic, prior to us even having that, again, I told you I'm 22 years in this industry already, probably oh, I don't know, maybe around 2017, 2018, we were starting to see uh, more and more people coming. When I say more and more, it's still not a very, it's not the number one type, but we were seeing an increase in people coming in with, with what's called Korsakoff dementia, which is a B1 deficient, a thiamine slash B1 deficiency in it most often, notably, if, if, if you've got it so bad, the deficiency, and it's causing an impact in your brain, um, it's an un, it's based on undiagnosed and untreated alcohol abuse. So again, this is not those, like if you're a college kid and you're like, oh crap, I just went on a college bender. Did, did I, am I going to get dementia? No, absolutely not. Korsakoff, um, that type of dementia is really truthfully, we're talking decades, years of untreated, unsupported, um, 
alcohol abuse, um, you know, overuse, if you will, not a couple of bad weekends or you partied on your at your sister's graduation, none of that. So that that those are the things that if you let something go, depression, geriatric depression is a thing. Um, and depression in general, again, going back to our lockdown, I think we've, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if people don't seek help, if there are issues, because we can turn those things around, uh, alcohol, you know, um, use, excessive alcohol use, and, or even depression does not mean it has to turn into dementia. Absolutely not. These are things that once you control the root cause of what's causing the depression, once you manage, um, and, and maybe scale back or end or quit or treat the alcohol excessive consumption, you, you're back, you, you can, your brain can kind of work its way back again. You know, it's just this prolonged time of undiagnosed and untreated other underlying maladies that can then escalate into irreversible cognitive decline. So can you talk about your background? You know, we touched on it, but you worked even in housing advocacy. Yeah, my first job, it, this is a second career. And I know it's going to be shocking based on the diatribe I just went through, but I have a broadcast journalism degree. I, I, I graduated from college a thousand years ago in broadcast journalism. So I my first career was in sports broadcasting, if you can believe it. I was a citizen of New York City during 9-11, working in the media. And it really kind of rocked my world as it as it rocked so many people's world, obviously. But those of us that were in that, you know, space at the time, I ended up leaving New York uh, many months later to my hometown, which is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And at that time, I had been in broadcasting for a decade, for 10 years. I was hosting a show in New York. I had reached my professional pinnacle by being in New York, the number one media market at the time. So I had all this ability, this capability. I'd been published in New York. I'd written, I'd done public speaking forever in addition to being on the radio. So I thought I could transition those uh, skill sets into a little more of a um, stable career, as anyone who knows media knows, you know, you're only as good as the next program director that comes in. And again, you have to remember, I'm going back to the days where I'm kind of talking about terrestrial radio. I mean, we didn't have social media to the the way it is now. This is again, 2002, 2001, So I did find myself, I thought I would be a perfect spokesperson for a hospital network. I mean, I didn't know what I didn't know, but I knew what I was capable of. I knew I can write and communicate and share a message. So I kind of figured how, and healthcare, of course, even I having no experience in healthcare, I was astutely aware that people were aging and that People needed healthcare, so it kind. Of, I, I I was specific about seeking out a position in healthcare. I just thought I thought what it would be, and it did not be at all. So no one could see it. No one could connect the dots. No one cared that I had you know interviewed the, the you know the entire New York Giants and Jets football teams. No one cared. I took like a an activity assistant position. I mean, I literally six months earlier had been sitting courtside at Madison Square Garden covering the New York Knicks. Uh, and then I'm six months later back in Wisconsin and I'm uh, an activity assistant at a skilled nursing community working with residents with Alzheimer's disease. And I didn't even know how to spell the word Alzheimer's, wasn't even sure what it was. However, those people who are hearing me that are in the industry too, and, and we put up with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Why? Because we fall in love with the people we're doing it for. And very quickly, I realized that this very big voice, 
that I still have to this day, all these years later, um, and personality, I finally realized, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. It doesn't matter who won the Super Bowl anymore to me. Now I am a champion for those that have lost their voice to a certain extent. So I I was very blessed early on. I, I started on the, like I said, as an inactivity assistant on the care floor, also providing personal cares uh, with the residents as well. Um, but I very quickly was able to kind of elevate within the industry, which also coincided with, and this is almost like an era of long lost era, it feels like, considering I'm selling training now. Um, but all, back then I had employers that, saw something in me and the next couple, two, three employers sent me to places like, for example, uh, when I went to work for Ascension Health, they were the third employer that I worked with in a pretty short amount of time. I was only at that, um, I was only at that initial skilled nursing for about four or five months. And then the next job I had was as a director of an adult day. And then the next job I had was for Ascension Health out of Chicago. And it, I was at their largest CCRC and they create uh, a CCRC, for those that may not know, is like a continuing care retirement community, everything from independent housing to end of life, very large campus. And, and they created a job for me. And it was at that position that again, the CEO of the company saw something in me and he sent me uh, to Rush Medical, which is it, from a dementia perspective, it's it's right up there with uh, Cleveland Clinic and the Mayo Clinic in terms of what they do with uh, with um, dementia and dementia research. So I, I within a year and a half, two years of even entering the business, now all of a sudden I'm getting like a 42 continuing education credits and becoming um, a leader in dementia care units. So, and right, and from there it just took off. Now I realize that this is where I need to be. I'm getting my street cred. I, I'm working for, then I moved on to work for some of the other larger senior housing industry names that people would recognize in divisional roles and national. And it just exploded from there. So at the peak of my corporate career, I was the national director for memory care, uh, for resident experience, which is like the activity side of, of the communities and dementia support operations. And we had about a hundred communities from Vancouver, Washington to Rhode Island. I, and I, so I covered the country and I was the person that created the the form, like the, the operational system of what we did on the dementia side, the, you know, based on these principles, this is how we train. And I was the, the official face of that and the trainer for that. And then I, you know, and now I'm consulting. So, so that's kind of me. That's me in a long nutshell right there. If you're just joining us now, you're listening to Healing Wisdom on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming at WOMR.org. I'm Pandora Peoples, and my guest today is Ellen Belk, Silver Lining Strategist and founder of Keep in Mind, Inc. and creator of the Kim Academy. Folks can go to KeepInMindInc.com to find courses. For caretakers and family members of people in various stages of dementia, we are in the midst of our summer pledge drive. I've been doing this show for over 10 years, so please give us a call and show some love today. Pledge now at 508-487-2619, or you can go online to WOMAR.org at the $60 membership level. 
You can get a coffee mug, a baseball cap. Don't forget about that tea. Make a donation. Get some swag. Love to have a sustaining member of the show, too. That's the $15 a month level. I can read your name every week. It supports this hour of programming. Again, 508-487-2619. Back to my conversation with Ellen Belk. Wow, what an amazing story. Talk about everything falling into place. I I mean, that just sounds like, you know, there's some sort of divine guidance, or if you want to call it like the collective communal intelligence of the universe conspiring to help you (laughs) along your path. I will say say this. I always always want to do like a PSA at a moment like this, because to your point, I know, I am very well aware, as I'm sure you are, and especially coming out of the the, the global lockdown, healthcare has a really bad rap and we're not, and it's kind of known. And and I have to say, it it, it did happen to me. We're not trying to, we're not good to the employees. They're underpaid, they're overworked and underpaid for sure. And I have been at every level, even at that national level, I was well overworked and, um, but but what we don't do a good job is of showing that there is, you can, I literally started on the care floor. And, and then at one point in my career, I was, you know, making six figures as a national person. So you, we need to do better to show people that there is progression. Now I did get, I did get a little lucky because I was hungry and I wanted the progression, but I think it has to be a perfect storm of both. I think there's, we're not doing a good job of, of embracing and welcoming and encouraging young people to be, to find, you know, elder care sexy. I know it doesn't feel sexy. Um, And I worked in in the media, which the whole world thinks is sexy. Oh my gosh, gotta be honest. And I've, I've interviewed some of the, the most, I've interviewed icons like Dennis Rodman. If people are into sports, they know who that is. Yeah, I did it, but I'll tell you, I've never had better professional success than holding the hand of my friend, you know, having a tough day living with dementia or helping, you know, transition people from their personal home into their long-term living home, dealing with their families who are sad and and just need a need a, a hand to hold. I reach out that hand. There is something so special about being a, a per, like a, the calm in the storm and being able to fill in gaps for those that are, again, trying to navigate a world that most of us don't know. Doesn't none of us, it doesn't phase us if you are watching the Super Bowl or watching football professional football in the month of November and you see the players, you know, male football players playing with pink shoes on or pink helmets or whatever. They are raising awareness. They're using that as a way to raise awareness for breast cancer. We don't even think about that anymore. Like that's not unusual. And again, dementia lags behind in that. We're not elevating the populace. And the interesting thing about it is. I mean, literally Pandora, one out of every eight people over the age of 65 has some form of cognitive decline. And if you're paying attention to the graying of our society, people are graying. (laughs) People are 10,000 baby boomers a day have been turning 65 since the year 2011. They're in their, they're in their late seventies now. So we all should be, have, be on heightened alert and understanding of what cognitive decline and, you know, varying types of dementia look like. 
Right. It's like the fastest growing population, right? <laughs> I mean, people are living longer, they're having second jobs, but at the same time, there's still this uh, decline. Uh, I mean, people people's equilibrium is off, they're falling, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that we don't really address as a culture because we're, there's so much fear around aging and so much fear around dying. And so nobody wants to talk about aging because they don't want to think about dying. But oh. Oh. Uh, it's it's a very <clears throat> prolonged period for many people in this society. Uh, you know, if we're lucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, around it. And I, I just there, there. I get it. And I, it's so funny. I, I love I, you, what you just said. I do hear a lot. But when you're in, I mean, again, I'm in so ensconced in in the aging sector. There's so many years of life that could be very fulfilling. I mean, I've had elders, my mother, true story, my own mother who had cared for my dad uh, with my assistants who had the dementia. We may touch on that. When, once my dad, um, I, I think she she did it after he passed away. My dad's life journey ended in 2016. And my it wasn't right away, but I want to say within a year or two. So my mom would have been like 88 years old, two years later. And she said, she came to me and said, Ellen, uh, I want to play the ukulele. I learned, I went out and bought it. She went out and bought a ukulele because she decided that she had some free time now. She wasn't in full-time caregiving mode and she took lessons and she started to play the freaking ukulele at the, I think it was actually 89. And it was like, Yay, you. I mean, yay. You can so I just think as long as we continue to be lifelong learners, you do. She was still driving and going to water aerobics up until the age of 91. Because so we can age, we're all gonna age. I mean, what's the alternative? If we don't age, we're what below ground? Is that where you want to be? So as long as we're above ground and we are aging, you can age, you know, there's ways to age successfully by trying to minimize your risk of falls. Let's stay physically active. We got to get up off the couch, Pandora, <laughs> and we got to put the potato chips down and, you know, get fresh air and, and, you know, whatever there are, it's really is what's healthy for the heart is healthy for the head. All the same principles apply. And there's more to it than that, obviously, but that's a big place to start if you're doing nothing right now, you know. Can you talk about engagement, uh, both physical and uh, cognitive and, and its importance? I used to, this is something that even now, again, I am kind of who I am. I, I teach this professionally, but I also do try to be my own um, student as well. So here's an example of how, to, are we talking about, is your question in reference to how to maintain healthy cognition is best you can? I mean, there's going to, in the essence of time here, this isn't a master class, but is that what you're asking? Like how to <laughs> do some things to maintain? Sounds yeah, good. for for our own personal care uh, as we age, but also for those working with family members and friends. I mean, I think a lot of times people, especially you know, with their friends and family, they feel helpless and and maybe don't know how to even approach or just talk about these things as they start to notice, you know, especially their friends or family members that they're not living with or that they're not super close to. How do they even broach these subjects? And then how can they offer support? What what kinds of activities uh, can they either support, uh, help facilitate, or even engage with their loved ones themselves? A couple of things just, and these are going to seem really simple, but I'm going to tell you once you incorporate them, it almost becomes second nature. So for example, even just going to the grocery store, 
I am, a, I go to Trader Joe's. I don't know if Trader Joe's is everywhere, but I have tra Trader Joe's. Okay, cool. And I always, or Aldi again, I mean, whatever, I've got my places and I kind of always come in the same way. I, I veer right or I veer left and I do the perimeter. I've now, and I've probably been doing what I'm about to say the last couple of years, because I know that too much familiarity doesn't ignite the, you know, the synapses in your brain. It just, it's almost just rote. So I now go the other way. I go down the middle. I, I know it don't always do exactly the same familiar things. And this could be anything. This could be in driving um, somewhere. But if you've got something in your life where you're always grocery shopping or you always do this exercise on every Wednesday, I go to Pilates every Wednesday. Well, you know why? Let's flip that up a little bit. Let's it, just like your muscles need different muscle memory, your brain is a muscle. It's, it's, a, you know, it's an organ inside your body that needs to be flexed. So just by tweaking something, just by, here's another thing that I also do. I've actually stopped because we're in such an overstimulated world. We, people have headsets on, they or they're even when I'm working from home, I'm on my laptop, I've got my I'm typing, I'm writing, I write a lot, but then I'll have music on or something in the background. I've or if I'm driving, I've got the radio on or I'm listening to a podcast, you know, through my device. I've stopped doing that. If I really started to do this for almost I kind of started it myself in in the pandemic because I just there's too much clutter in my brain. And I don't, I don't know if other people can under, relate to what I'm saying, but I, just this one thing of turning off, I, I'm driving in silence and I find myself rolling the windows down a little more. I find myself definitely being more focused. I'm starting to think about other things that, that I may or may not have to do instead of just blindly driving and having social media bounce off of me. So I'm just like, you know, I'm, I'm not using any synapses. I'm just absorbing information. We've been speaking with Ellen Belk, silver living strategist and keep in mind creator and founder. You can go to keepinmindinc.com to learn more about Ellen. Part two of my conversation will be podcast at WOMR.org. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Consider donating today. Happy Pledge Drive. You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also check out HealingWisdomRadioShow.com and contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org.